Health. We're joined on MSU Today today by Dr. Mark Largent. Dr. Largent is the Associate Provost for Undergraduate Education, Dean of Undergraduate Studies, and a professor in the Department of History uh, here at Michigan State University. So Dr. Largent, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for the invitation. So you um, uh, tell us, people might not have an appreciation for what is an Associate Provost for Undergraduate Education? What kind of things do you worry about every day? Well, you can tell from the length of my title, uh, two things that um, I, I have a great deal of responsibility and, and relatively little authority. Uh, it's, so they give me a very, very long title in order to, to help me accomplish uh, the, the, the goals of the job. Um, the Associate Provost and Dean of Undergraduate Education's responsibility is to coordinate the undergraduate experience, especially uh, in and around the classroom, uh, across the 169 majors in our 17 different degree-granting colleges. So the university is divided up into um, for undergrads, 17 different undergraduate colleges, plus the law school, plus the two, uh, the two medical schools. And uh, they, they kind of operate like states uh, inside of the, the overall university, which is sort of like the United States. So my job is from the uh, central unit, like the federal government, um, to help coordinate the, all the activities that go on across the college campus related to undergraduate education um, and to create a, a more coherent and seamless experience for our students because 70% of them change their majors from the time they start to the time they finish. Um, about half of them change them more than once. Uh, and that's not really a problem unless they're, they're doing it into their third and fourth years. And in fact, students that change their majors in their first and second years tend to have uh, really good uh, outcomes. They tend to persist and graduate as they're exploring and finding their way and discovering their purposes and passions. And all of those kinds of things are the responsibility of the office um, as we think about how to advise students, uh, how to help them uh, make the um, steps forward that they need to make and sometimes steps sideways as they change their majors or, or change um, their intended outcomes. And then to coordinate with all of the other things that happen that are different from going to class versus going to college. Um, going to college consists of a lot more than going to class. Students only spend about 15% of their time in class. The other 85% of their waking hours are spent in college. And so all of the co-curricular and extracurricular things, everything that happens in the residence halls, everything that's part of the overall student experience um, falls to my office to help uh, coordinate, make sense of, and ensure that our students are given the best opportunity to learn, thrive, and graduate. So that's, I mean, I think that, you know, in, intuitively, those of us that have an undergraduate degree appreciate that. You're only in class for you know, a relatively s small amount of time, and, and then you're, you're st studying and, and, and maybe having a job or, or, or engaged in other things. But but I think that uh, to put fifteen percent on of it on it seems uh, you know it's it's, it's sort of it, it, at least it, it it drew my attention. So when we think about that, and the university has had a number of uh, has made a number of, of investments in what we call student success. You know, one of those concepts was the the neighborhood concept. 
Um, how do those, how do you define student success in that, in the context of the 15% the in class, the, the time out of class, uh, studying and preparing for a class, um, and, and that, that broader notion of a student, how do you, how do you define student success? Yeah. All right. So that 15%, I think, un does understate the, the, um, the academic and curricular uh, investments that students have to make in their time. For every hour that a student spends in class, the expectation is that they spend two to three hours preparing for class or um, uh, working on assignments, uh, working on projects. So you're really looking at you know, one hour of class time is three to four hours overall. And so suddenly that 15% is now closer to 60% of their time is spent uh, on academic pursuits. And then the rest of their time is spent, um, many of them work quite a bit, some of them several jobs. Um, they uh, are involved in sports, they're involved in co-curricular and extracurricular activities. Um, so that overall suite of things is a really critical part of what we think of when we talk about student success. Now the old definition of student success was um, that a student was successful as measured by the things that go on their transcript. So student success was just a student getting good grades. It, that, it was simply that. Uh, in the 21st century, both um, professionally and colloquially, when we talk about student success, we're actually talking about the ability of an institution to support the students that it uh, matriculates so that they can learn, thrive, and graduate. So student success in the, in the 20th century was really getting good grades. Student success in the 21st century is a measure of the institution and whether or not your institution is designed to support your students. Um, and so when we look at the persistence and graduation rates across the country, on average, half of the students that start college will not finish. It's an astoundingly low rate. 50% of the students that start a college degree never finish it. That's but then when you go to a place like the Ivy League, um, and the Ivy League schools, uh, approximately 95 to 96% of the students that start finish. So you get this huge, huge, huge gap. If we go down the road to the University of Michigan, you're looking at about 92% of the students who start um, at the University of Michigan will finish their degree uh, at, at the University of Michigan, a really great rate. Um, schools like Michigan State, uh, most of the rest of the schools in the Big Ten and our peers, they tend to run in the 70s, uh, in the 70 percentile, between 70 and 80 percent. And about six years ago, Michigan State said that we believe that we had a capacity to be an even better institution like that, that we could redesign ourselves to really focus on the students that came to Michigan State University and help them learn, thrive, and graduate help them find their purposes and passions, and then design a university that supported them so that they would learn, thrive, and graduate. So when we started this effort, we did well. We were at about 77% of our students. So we were in the top half of the Big Ten. 77% uh, of our students who started here finished uh, at Michigan State. Um, about another 10% started at Michigan State and finished someplace else. And sometimes that was because they decided that their purposes and their passions were in one of the really few areas that Michigan State didn't have a major in. So, for example, if you wanted to uh, get a, a degree in aeronautics and become a pilot, 
we don't happen to have that program. So you'd have to go to a place like Western in order to do that. Sometimes they would want to pursue a degree that we have limited spots for. So um, for example, nursing. Uh, we typically have about 500 students a year who start in our nursing degree, but we only have about 175 slots because of clinical placements. So those students will go someplace else. So we were looking at um, about 87% uh, of our students would start at Michigan State and then finish some here or someplace else. And we said, we could do even better than that. And so we began a very concerted effort to redesign all different aspects of the university, advising, counseling, curricular pathways, um, the ways in which we supported students with residential education, what's happening in the, in the dorms, um, the ways in which we help students with career um, advice and, and career counseling, not when they're their junior year or their senior year, but when they are going through new student orientation. We push it all the way back so they can start thinking about the alignment between what they're learning and what they ultimately want to do with, with that degree. Uh, and what has happened over the last seven years is every single year, our persistence and graduation rate has gone up. We went up from 78, seven to 78, nine, 80. Last year, we finished at 81.3% uh, wow. is where we're at. And that constant push isn't about changing who we're admitting. Um, we're, uh, we are admitting the same students. Um, and it's not about um, asking our students to do something that's um, uh, somehow investing in making sort of armoring them to be successful at our institution better. What we're doing is actually designing the institution better to serve the students' needs. Um, and so when we talk about student success, it's a measure of the institution, not a measure of individuals sort of making it through their classes. The other thing that we've learned in this process is that grades um, are actually a pretty poor predictor of student success. That is, if you wanna ask, do I think that this given first year student or this given sophomore, or this given junior is gonna graduate? It turns out that their grades don't tell us very much about whether or not they're gonna graduate. Um, in fact, the students who have the highest um, graduation rates don't have the highest grades. They're in the, about the second tier of grades. Um, they wow. tend to be more resilient. They tend to, um, to, to be more adventurous um, and they do quite, quite well in terms of um, uh, retention and, and graduation rates. Um, it turns out that to be successful as a student, you need to do a lot more than just get good grades. So to be a student success institution, we need to do a lot more than just make sure students get good grades. We have to support every aspect of them. We have to support their mental and physical health, their financial uh, well-being. There's every single thing that goes into a student's uh, sense of belonging to the institution that they feel taken care of uh, and that they are well taken care of. And so a lot of the student success work that we've done has focused on things like basic needs, helping students um, uh, feel more confident that they uh, know where their next meal is coming from and how they're paying rent next month, making sure that students uh, have access to physical and mental health facilities as they need them, uh, increasing access to um, physical fitness uh, acti activities on campus, which is a really big push for us right now. So combined all these things are um, design, redesigning the university to make it a, um, a student success institution. And what we found that if a student starts their junior year, 19 out of 20 of them will graduate. Um, juniors have almost a 95% graduation rate at Michigan State University. So our real focus right now is really looking at what happens in those first two years 
and designing that experience so that the students are very well taken care of and they make it to that third year. And if they do, they're golden, they graduate. So thinking about student success and you know, certainly the last couple of years, the last year and a half have been probably as challenging as, as any that any of us can remember. I, I yeah, obviously uh, you know, times during the World War II or, or other, other things you know, may, may be equivalent, but certainly in most of our lifetimes, it's been the most challenging circumstances we can remember. And it feels as though we've we've sort of crested the hill a bit, and uh, and and so what can what can parents and and students uh, look forward to uh, when they uh, hopefully arrive uh, back on campus uh, in in a couple of months? Yeah, so we are planning a fall semester that is much more typical uh, than we've certainly experienced for the last sixteen months or so. There's nothing any of us want more than to be what is in our minds back to normal. Um, so our plan for the fall is to have uh, all of our residence halls full. Uh, we, we actually have a really robust class coming in this fall. Our um, uh, yield rate was higher than we had expected. So we had more students who wanted to come to Michigan State uh, than we, uh, e even we had expected, uh, which is good news. We're happy to see that. So the residence halls will be very full, uh, not overly full, but certainly all the rooms full. Um, we expect to have all of our cultural and social activities uh, in full swing. Wharton Center has already uh, published its schedule for the year uh, and it's sort of back to normal. Um, uh, the stands in all of the athletic events will be filled with um, roaring um, uh, uh, fans. You know, the goal is that we are back to being the residential university that we're all desperate to get back to. We're excited about that. Um, it, we, we are avoiding using the words back to normal um, uh, in part because we've all been through um, a pretty difficult period. Um, it's been difficult for students, it's been difficult for faculty, staff, and administrators. And so, you know, there isn't some notion that we're just gonna pick right up where we left off. We've also learned a lot in the last year and a half. And I think we want to be a little bit different institution than we were before. Um, we have found that the students who are coming here this coming fall, both as new and returning students are academically better prepared than they had been in the past. And it's one of the things that really surprises us is that students learning gains during the pandemics did not fall off. And in fact, many of them put intense attention on um, moving more quickly toward graduation. Um, the rate of credit taking increased during the pandemic. And we're seeing a lot of our incoming students uh, bringing in um, international baccalaureate and uh, advanced placement credits um, and having already taken some college credit. So the, it, the issue isn't that they're coming in academically less prepared, but we are finding that, you know, all of us feel this, but you can imagine what it's like to be an 18 year old. The last year and a half have been very difficult emotionally. It's been difficult on students' um, friendships. It's been very challenging for them socially. So we're really pouring a lot of time, energy, and resources into thinking about how we onboard those students to help them get sort of back into the swing of a more structured in-person environment. And so again, it's not just about what happens in the classroom, it's that overall kind of wraparound experience that a student has in going off to college. And we wanna be prepared this fall to meet all of our students' needs because that's what a good student success institution does. So, Mark, as we uh, as we draw closer to the end of our time, I'll ask a, a couple of 
maybe maybe slightly more lighthearted questions. Uh, one is what what drew you to Michigan State? How you know, we we talked about our students and uh, and and what what might be appealing for them at Michigan State, but how did you land on on Michigan State's doorstep? I came here um, in 2005, so what is it? 16 years ago now, um, and uh, I came from a small private school uh, in the Pacific Northwest, the University of Puget Sound. Uh, really a beautiful place to live, a place that I, I loved living. I had been there for four years uh, as a professor of history. Um, and the, this job came up and, you know, it was one of those serendipity kinds of things where uh, somebody I knew had, had uh, been asked if they had any references for, for it. And uh, I had expressed some interest in it. It was a job in James Madison College, which is really one of our gems on campus, the the, res, the three residential colleges, and then all of the living learning communities are absolutely amazing. And I put an application in, and uh, much to my surprise, I got an interview, and then even greater surprise was offered the position. Um, I went back to my wife and said, uh, I know we live on an island in the Pacific Northwest, and I take a ferry to work every day, and it's this incredibly idyllic thing, but I think I want to move to Central Michigan. Uh, and uh, why? And I told her that I, I had this real sense that this was an institution that was deeply invested in what I've come to know is the, the land-grant ethic, uh, a notion that everybody here has a responsibility to the people around them and to future generations to, to help people be more than they were when they were born. That is to, to get past the limitations of their own birth. And I took kind of a goofy path into academia. Uh, I was a high school dropout. I grew up in rural North Dakota, um, dropped out of high school in my senior year and uh, finished uh, high school by correspondence. Um, and then uh, went off to college and really was not a stellar college student. I, I enjoyed the going to college part better than the going to class part. And then at some point in my junior year, uh, a faculty member kind of said, you, you could be better than this. You should do more and pushed me really hard and somehow sort of found my way and then into graduate school and then into a PhD and, you know, really were those taps on the shoulders, those sort of helping me out along the way um, and realized that, you know, I wanted to devote my career to an institution that that kind of thing, um, helping people be more than they even believed they could be. Um, I, I wanted to be part of an institution like that. So uh, Madison was a great place to land. I spent 12 years there and then worked in Briggs as an administrator for five years uh, and moved into learning analytics, uh, where we look at the university's data in a very complex way to better understand uh, where and how it is that we could be better at supporting our students. And then through the leadership changes in the last three years, um, had the opportunity to move into central administration and then uh, about two and a half years ago into my current position um, in the Office of the Associate Provost for Undergraduate Education. But all of it has seen this, this trajectory where um, I've ridden along with the university as it's gotten more and more invested in making sure that it really fulfills this thing it calls the land-grant mission. The idea that you know, we are here um, in this moment to help the people around us ensure that they and their families and the next generation are better than the one before. Uh, have more opportunities, um, are able to contribute to the greater good. Um, and that I find is a really exciting thing. 
No, Mark, I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, it's, it's what drew me to the university and, uh, our, 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 uh, our academic paths and, uh, and, and early, uh, success or lack thereof perhaps are, uh, are, are amazingly similar. And I've, I've always thought that, uh, uh, the 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 land grant tradition was a uh, uh, was a tradition that was very accepting. It was a it was a created a very large tent uh, yeah. for for folks that uh, maybe weren't as self directed as some of my friends, maybe a little less motivated at points in their life like I was, and uh, and yet uh, allow people to be better versions of themselves uh, with a little stick to itiveness, and yeah. uh, and so that's uh, that, that's a special story that is is very familiar sounding um so so let me wrap up by just asking you 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 lead an extremely busy life sort of being the uh the behind the scenes person to uh to help our fifty thousand uh, uh students particularly our you know 30 37 38 000 undergraduates uh find their way through this spectacular institution but uh, at the end of the at the end of the long day uh what do you do for fun um, so I have four young children. My, my kids are the age, between the ages of four and 15. Uh, so work-life balance is sort of a, a constant um, opportunity for me. Um, and so there's an awful lot of, of family things. Uh, all through college, grad school, um, um, even before that, back in the high school, I had been a bicycle mechanic. Uh, I worked my way all through high school and college and grad school, um, wrenching on bicycles and being a, a team mechanic. Uh, for a team out of St. Paul, Minnesota, when I was in grad school. Um, and I still love cycling. Um, as my family gets more into that, I've had more opportunities uh, uh, to, to enjoy it. So that's an important part of it. We, um, we have really embraced Michigan. Uh, my wife grew up uh, in the Harbor Springs, Petoskey area. Uh, and so she um, you know, gives me a lot of opportunity to learn more about the state. We camp. Um, you know, it's a lot of sort of family oriented uh, things at this point in my life. Um, and again, you couldn't have an easier place to land with a family. I mean, central Michigan in this way, um, you're an hour from, from pretty much everything, um, white sand beaches or forests, um, uh, or, uh, you know, densely populated urban areas. So it's a, um, uh, a great place to live. And I'm, I'm really lucky to be here. I'm really lucky for that friend who tapped me on the shoulder and said, Hey, you ought to apply for this. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's uh, well, yours is a great story and you're an extraordinary asset to, to Michigan state university. So you know, we're joined today on MSU today by Dr. Mark Largent, associate provost for undergraduate education, Dean of Undergraduate Studies and a professor in the Department of History here at Michigan State University. Thanks so much for joining us, Mark. Thank you, Bill. And thanks for everything you're doing, including this show. I, I, I know how useful it is for all of us to have opportunities to talk to each other and, and to the public about what we do. And, and I, I really appreciate you hosting all of this. Thank you. Thank you.